Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. On today's episode of the Journey Women Podcast, I'm chatting with Megan Hill about praying together. We talked about everything from why it's important that we gather together with other believers to pray to the role of the Trinity in our prayer lives. Listen to what Megan said. When we pray with other people, as the book of Revelation tells us, that these prayers are all gathered together before the throne and the Lord collects these prayers and then he pours them out on the earth to accomplish his purposes. I think it's safe to say that you will definitely want to link arms with other believers to pray together however you can in the season that you're in after listening to this episode. So you'll know her a little better. Megan is a pastor's wife living in Massachusetts and an editor at the Gospel Coalition. She's the author of Praying Together. And for those of you who are attending TGCW this year, Megan will actually be presenting a workshop about the church. Now, on to my conversation with Megan Hill on the topic of praying together. Well, thank you for joining me today. So you are on vacation with your family right now. Yes, we are. Tell me where you're at again, just so the listeners will get to hear. We are in Bethany Beach, Delaware. Awesome. And this is like a family tradition kind of thing. It is. I'm trying to think how old I was maybe 10 when we started coming here. And we have in New England, at least the spring break is in April for school. Okay. And so now I live in Massachusetts and my kids have sort of the same April break that I had when I was growing up. And so every year in April break, we come down here and there's nobody on the beach and it's just a chance to just unplug and unwind. And so it's fun. Oh, well, how many kids do you have? I have four children. Oh, um, wow. I have three boys who are 11, 10, and 9. And then I have a baby girl who's not quite one yet. Oh, that's so wonderful. Well, Megan, I have to confess that I did not know much about your personal life, which is a little different for me. Usually, I kind of like have this weird stalking thing on Instagram with people, but I don't even know your Instagram handle. <laughs> I don't even know if you're on Instagram. Are you? So... I have like the worst smartphone on the planet and the camera on it is not very good. And I feel like there's this, you know, if you're going to be on Instagram, you have to have a good camera because all of your pictures yes. will, you know, look terrible. And so I'm not, I, I missed the curve for Instagram. Okay. That makes me feel better because let me tell you how I found out about you. It was my birthday in March and one of my dear friends up in Alaska, who is also a military spouse, I'm a male spouse. She sent me a copy of your book, Praying Together. And so I start reading your book and I ate it up with such tenacity that I had to email my friend 
all my friends who I knew had published with Crossway, including Gloria Furman, who is a mutual friend of ours. And she wrote me back and she said, actually, I was Megan's book doula. And I was like, no, that is crazy. Why didn't you tell me that I should have this girl on the podcast? So anyways, that's how I found out about you. And she shared your contact with me, which is how we're chatting today. Oh, that's great. Yeah, Gloria and I were friends and we were talking one day and she said, do you have a book that you want to write? And I said, yeah, actually I do. Yeah, I think I'd like to write about praying with other people. And, And Gloria said, that's great. I think you should write that book. I'm going to help you to get it published. So Gloria was my doula. Mm-hmm. I love it. I love how she used that phrase too, which is just so perfect after having birthed babies. <laughs> but if anyone doesn't know what it means, it means she helped you along as you brought this book into the world. And it is really great, Megan. It's about praying together. And this is kind of coming in like a little unofficial mini series on the topic of community. So we will have covered the topic of community of uh, confession and conflict. And then we're talking about praying together. And man, this book just really, it, it rekindled some real passions of mine. I too am just in love with praying together with other believers. And we had a whole nother episode on prayer and I talked about it a little bit, but definitely not at length. So I am so excited for the listeners to get to hear from you on this today. It's just so theologically rich and it's been a great help to me. So thank you. I'm so thankful that you took time in the midst of raising four humans and being a wife and doing whatever it is that you do that I'd love for you to explain now to us um, just to write the book. So could you share with us a little bit about what your day to day looks like? Yes. Well, I edit for the Gospel Coalition. So um, mostly it's pieces that are written by women, though not necessarily for women. So women who want to write articles for the Gospel Coalition contact me and we work through the editing process to see if they have an idea that would serve readers at the Gospel Coalition well. Um, I serve on the editorial board of Christianity Today magazine. I write for Today in the Word, which is Moody's um, daily devotional that they publish in their daily devotional booklets. But I'm also a pastor's wife, and um, I'm very involved in my local church, not just because I'm a pastor's wife, but because I love the church. And um, we have a small church in Massachusetts. Most of the churches in Massachusetts are pretty small, and a wonderful group of believers. And I enjoy just worshiping with them and spending time with them and being involved in their lives. That is so awesome. I loved hearing you describe you growing up in church in your book and talking about praying with other believers. I'm sure that's something that you guys are practicing in your church as well, just based on everything I've read from you. So could you just kind of walk us through what it is that prayer expresses? Like, what are we doing when we are talking to God? Yeah, I think prayer is one of our greatest gifts that the Lord has given us. You know, not only has He commanded us to pray, but He welcomes our prayers. He loves for us to pray. So when we're praying, you know, the believer is coming before the throne of God. You know, we're bringing our requests, our desires, the things that we want, the things that we need, the things that we're longing for, even the things we're not sure about. And we're bringing them to the Lord and He promises to hear us. And, you know, we look at the book of Romans and it talks to us, Romans 8, and it tells us that when we come in prayer, that we come because Jesus is helping us. You know, we're covered in the blood of Jesus and He's the one that helps us. He prays alongside us. He 
The book of Hebrews tells us that he ever lives to make intercession for us. So when you're praying, Jesus is praying at the same time. Mm. And then Romans 8 also tells us that the Spirit is praying. And so the Holy Spirit that dwells in us, you know, there's that great verse that talks about when we don't know what we should pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes with the groans too deep for words. And so when you're praying, you're not even really praying by yourself because the Spirit is helping you and Jesus is helping you and the Father is listening to you. So we're entering into this great communication, even with the persons of the Trinity when we pray. Yeah. Okay. So the Christian is not praying alone. We, even if we're praying by ourselves, Jesus, as you're saying, is covering us by his blood. We're praying with the help of the Spirit to God, the Father. So we're not alone in our prayers. Absolutely. And I think it's so easy to start thinking of yourself as alone, you know, when you're doing your personal devotions, or you're in your prayer closet, or, you know, wherever it is that you snatch a moment for prayer, to think, oh, I'm all by myself here. And is anybody really hearing me? And what is this really accomplishing? And it's been so helpful to me to remember, no, Jesus is praying alongside me, the Spirit is helping me, God promises to listen. This is not a lonely activity. Those of us who may feel insecure in our prayer lives. I mean, I hear this all the time. I hear this with women that I'm interacting with that are newer believers that are scared to pray in groups, that are scared to pray in a fashion in which someone might hear them, or even maybe scared to pray by themselves because they're afraid of saying something wrong. Could you kind of elaborate how the Spirit helps us, even when our prayers may not be 100% theologically accurate? Yeah, I think it's J.I. Packer. I, I may be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure it is that he says in one of his books on prayer, Jesus fixes our prayers on the way up or the Spirit fixes our prayers on the way up. And I, I think that's true. You know, we in our own, we don't even know what's right mm-hmm, to pray sometimes. Mm-hmm. And But the Spirit knows the mind of the Father. That's what Romans 8 tells us. And so he's the one that searches the mind of God. And so he fixes our prayers. And so, Hunter, you and I can think of a, a dozen things that we We've prayed maybe in the last week yes. that later we've thought, um, why was that was not the right answer? Well, why was yeah. I asking God for that? You know, or when you were a teenager, you know, the boyfriend that you just had to marry, and now you're thinking, Lord, thank you that you did not answer that. <laughs> <laughs> And I think the and the Lord does that. And, you know, that's just sort of a silly example, but there are more significant ones as well. And the Lord, you know, changes our prayers so that when they appear before the Father, they're right. And so we can have confidence in that, that the words coming out of my mouth are stumbling and hesitant, and I don't know what I'm even asking for. The, the Heidelberg Catechism, which is one of the sort of Presbyterian catechisms, um, says that it's even more sure that the Lord hears us than that we really know what we're asking for. Wow. So we have confidence in that, that that God's going to hear us and it's going to come out all right in the end, even if we're fumbling along the way. Yeah, I think somebody might hear that and they might think, well, then what's the purpose of me praying? If, you know, if all of these things, if God is sovereign over them all and he already knows my heart and he already knows what ought to come, why should I participate in prayer? Yeah, well, because the Lord tells us to. I mean, mm-hmm. somehow in the, his mysterious providence, he says, I want you to pray. That's what I'm going to use. I'm going to use people like Hunter and Megan and the listeners of this podcast to do my holy will. And so I want you to pray so you can participate in that thing that I'm doing. Yeah, it's such a humbling, honoring gift. And we talked about that a lot in in the prayer episode. And so I'd like to move into just where we see how Jesus instructs us to pray and where we see God's command to pray together as believers. Could you just walk us through that a little bit? 
Yeah. Throughout scripture, we see the Lord yeah. calling people to pray together. And even back in the Old Testament, you know, in the mm-hmm. sort of in the very first chapters of Genesis, we have, you know, we have Adam and then we have Seth, who is one of Adam's children. Mm-hmm. And the early chapters of Genesis tell us that at the time of Seth, people began to call on the name of the Lord. Mm. So just right back there in the very first chapters of the Bible, we have people getting together for a prayer meeting. And then we see that throughout the whole Old Testament. I mean, there's so many examples, but you know, you think about Daniel, the king said, if you don't interpret this dream, Daniel, all the magicians in the land are going to be put to death. Mm-hmm. And what does Daniel do? Well, he goes back to his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he says, we have got to pray about this together because I don't ha- I don't know what this dream is. The Lord's going to have to show it to us. And so, you know, they have a prayer meeting. Or you think about the time of Ezra, they were convicted of this sin that they had the Israelites had taken pagan wives and mm. they shouldn't have done that. And so what does Ezra say? We need to have a prayer meeting and repent of this sin that we've fallen mm. into. You know, so there's so much just throughout even the Old Testament of God's people coming together and praying. But then you're right. I mean, when we get to Jesus, of course, we have the disciples coming to Jesus and saying, How then shall we pray? Yeah. How, how should we pray? And Jesus gives them the Lord's Prayer, which we all, you know, many of us know by heart and direct instruction there to pray. And even, you know, as we think about it, that's a prayer for all of us, you know, give us this day our daily mm-hmm. bread, forgive us our debts, you know. So it's not just sort of a individual prayer either. It's a prayer for all of God's people to pray together. Life is crazy sometimes, and finding time to sit down and read the Bible can be difficult. That is why I love Dwell. When I can't find time to read the Bible, I can listen to it. The voices reading the Bible are soothing. They're not your normal narrators. Plus, you can choose calming background music and adjust the pace of the narrator's voice to get things just right. Dwell's newest release is called Dwell Daily, a fresh, thoughtfully crafted devotional that immerses you in the word, allowing you to pray it, meditate on it, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your engagement with the Bible this year, Dwell Daily is worth checking out. I cannot recommend Dwell enough to help you orient your mind to the life-giving word of God throughout your day. Go to dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen to receive your 25% discount today. Again, that's dwellbible.com forward slash journeywomen for your 25% discount to subscribe and spend time in God's Word. So what's going to happen when we do this, when we collect together as believers and we pray by the help of the Spirit to God the Father through the Son, what will happen when we do that? I think sometimes we have sort of a misconception, maybe I can address that first. Absolutely. That praying with other people is sort of like a petition or something. And if we get enough signatures on this petition, (laughs) then God is going to have to do what we say, you know? Yes. (laughs) And I think that's not quite the right way to think about it, because obviously throughout scripture, we see one person praying and the Lord being so gracious to answer. And so it's not that somehow the Lord changes his mind more readily or something because we've got more people, you know, we can pressure him. It's not like a mathematical equation or something. Right. But he does attach great blessing to God's people coming together. He is pleased when we do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in um, the book of Revelation, 
uh, there's this great passage that shows the scene before the throne, right? So in Revelation, Mm -hmm. God pulls back the curtain of heaven and we kind of get to see a little glimpse of what heaven's like. And we see before the throne and there's this angel and he's standing there and he has this bowl that is filled with the prayers Mm -hmm. of the saints is what the book of Revelation tells us. And then he pours the bowl out onto the earth and it accomplishes God's purposes. So I think we can think of it that way, that when we pray with other people, as the book of Revelation tells us, that these prayers are all gathered together before the throne, and the Lord collects these prayers, and then he pours them out on the earth to accomplish his purposes. You think about the reality of that, and that is really astounding. What would be the goal of us getting together and praying the glory of God, of course, you know, just that the Lord would be, you know, would be exalted, that Christ would be exalted yeah. in our midst. And I think there's something to the fact that, so when we all get together and we all pray for something, then we're all looking for God to answer together. And then yes. when he does answer, when he brings healing or he provides for someone's needs or he plants a church or he sends out a missionary or, you know, any of the hundreds yes. of things that we pray for, we're all looking like, Lord, are you going to answer yes. this prayer? And then when he answers, then you have this whole group of people that are giving praise to him for the thing that he did. And so he magnifies himself then when we pray. Totally. It's like our prayers are expounding our joy and our Mm -hmm. rejoicing. And that's super exciting. And then you think about in the context of a community, what that does and how that enriches the fellowship that you experience with the brothers and sisters within the context of your community that you're praying with. Because you have this common goal of glory, I mean, glorifying God together and asking him to go about that in real specific ways in our life, to glorify himself in real specific ways, i.e. prayer requests. Absolutely. And then it helps us to love each other too. Yes. That we just, because we're bearing each other's burdens then and your concerns become my concerns and my concerns become your concerns. And so it really deepens our affection for one another as well. Yeah, I completely agree with that. We can come together and bear one another's burdens as we pray together. I'd love to just address again, even though we've hit it once, who is it that unifies us in prayer? Like we're talking about the community growing and collectively rejoicing together as we see our prayers answered. Like what is it in us that unifies us and that makes us excited to see God working in this capacity? Yeah, in the book, I use the illustration of synchronized swimming. So when I was in college, I was on the synchronized swimming team, and I was brand new to synchronized swimming. I hadn't done it before college, and a friend said to me, oh, I'm going to join the synchronized swimming team. Let's try that. That takes boldness, man. Just to get in a bathing suit in a class in general takes boldness on my part. But yeah, add the synchronization Absolutely. piece, and I'm like, uh, I would have been a laughable for sure. And then you have like these little clip things on your nose. Like if you've seen it on the Olympics, you know, to keep the water out of your nose, it's really <laughs> attractive. <laughs> and I started in this synchronized swimming and the team we're practicing our routine. And, you know, the, the trick is to be synchronized, right? Because yeah. that's what it's all about is being synchronized. And at first, my thought was, okay, well, I'll just like look out of the corner of my eye huh. and see the people next to me, see what they're doing, and then I'll do it. But if you've ever done dance or, you know, anything like this, you know, if you're watching the person next to you, you're going to be half like a, a step, step behind. behind. Yes. Because by the time you see what they're doing, it's too late for you to do it, you know. <laughs> and I realized that, no, we had to, each of us 
in order to be synchronized, each of us has to be looking at something outside of ourselves. And so we have to be counting the beats mm. of the music and we have to be paying attention to where we are in the pool. And if you're counting the beats and paying mm. attention to where you are in the pool and everyone is doing that, then you will all be synchronized because yeah. you're all paying attention to something outside of yourself. That's my illustration for what it is when we pray together, we're all looking to Jesus who yeah. is outside of us. Each one of us, when we're praying together, is looking for what does Christ want? What would glorify Christ? What is Christ's will in this situation? And each of us then in praying for that, it brings us into unity with one another because we all want what Christ wants. And then that is the thing, the thing outside of us. It's not that I'm trying to want what you want and you're trying to want what she mm -hmm. wants. It's that we're all trying to want what Christ wants. And that's the thing that's going to synchronize us. Yes. I love that so much. And, you know, when we're talking about praying together again, back to the person who feels just real um, self-conscious in their prayers. Cause they're like, man, maybe I'm a new believer. Maybe I want to know what, what Jesus wants. Maybe I want to pray to him as I ought, but I just don't even know what that would look like. What's your encouragement to someone who feels like that as they desire for their prayers to be biblical? They want them to, but they may not be at a point in their walk with the Lord where they really even know what he might want. What would your encouragement be? Yeah, I mean, so often what we're praying is what Jesus prayed, you know, in the garden, not my will, but your will, Lord, yeah. be done. Yeah. And, you know, if Jesus himself prayed that, it's not too good for us to, you know, I mean, it's not yeah. beneath us to pray that way either. And so I often find myself praying, Lord, please heal this person from cancer. But I don't know if that's the right thing. I mean, totally. they're suffering and they're old and they're, uh, Lord, you do what's best, you know? Yeah. Lord, please allow this person to get a job and stay here and not have to move because they're my really good friend and I don't want them to move. But but you might have great plans for them elsewhere. And I, I don't know, Lord, not my will, your will, you yeah. know? And we can have great confidence in that because the Lord's will is perfect and he will give what's best. I really appreciated that. And even just the encouragement that even the prayers of the weakest saint will encourage us. I mean, we think about our young little ones praying aloud to God and how their prayers are so simple sometimes, mm -hmm. but how it really warms your heart just to hear them crying out to the Lord. Um, and, and that happens for us in the context of community as we're lifting up our prayers to the Lord. I mean, I may hear like a seasoned elder at our church praying and just be echoing his prayers and rejoicing with him as he prays. And then my four-year-old, I guarantee you, I would have that same level of appreciation for her prayer, uh, even though it would be so much more simple. So I really appreciate thinking through that. And then just also us having the humility and the willingness to do that with one another and to love one another as we engage in that. What's your experience with that been like, Megan, in church? I know you have a real rich history of praying together with other believers. Yeah, the Lord has just been so gracious and has allowed me to really just have sweet relationships and prayer with God's people. Mm. I always, you know, I grew up in a church and my church, every church I've ever been a part of actually has had sort of a dedicated prayer yeah. meeting, you know, once a week where the people of the church, whoever's free, come, we come together and we take turns praying and we pray for the requests of the church. And, um, and then I've also just had sweet, just prayer partnerships. There's a woman in my church, um, in Mississippi where I lived before I moved to Massachusetts and she and I prayed together for 10 years and mm. we prayed every Tuesday morning. Mm. And, um, and I say this quite often when I talk about that relationship, we didn't set out to pray together for 10 years. I mean, really, you know, she yeah. called me, 
she called me one day and said, do you want to come over on Tuesday and pray? And I said, sure. And I went over on Tuesday and prayed. And then the next week she said, are you free on Tuesday? Do you want to pray on Tuesday? And I said, sure. And I went over there and, you know, one Tuesday turned into the next. And by the time we knew it, it had been 10 years of praying That's together. That's amazing. Um, but it wasn't, you know, we didn't commit to that at the beginning right. or anything. It was just a little bit <laughs> at a time, which I think yeah. is how prayer partnerships often start. It's just one time of praying together, yeah. or two times of praying together. And then you build on that relationship. And I just learned so much from those relationships and from her hearing her pray and then bearing burdens with her and seeing answers to prayer. And it was just such an impact on my own prayer life. Absolutely. I think the biggest help to my prayer life was back in college where I would get together with a couple of women. One was just a step ahead of me. And then one was two steps ahead of me and my roommate. And they invited us, these, these two older women invited us to come pray and Megan it's a college situation. They invited us to come and pray at 5 a.m. But we would drag ourselves out of bed every Monday morning and we would go, we'd grab a cup of coffee and we wouldn't even really tell each other what we needed to pray for. We just got down on our faces and we prayed. And mm-hmm. as we picked up on one another's cries, you know, the groanings of our heart. And as we lifted those things up to God, we began to come alongside one another and pray really for the same things in different, from different perspectives. And man, that is discipleship, Megan. And I love how you yes. drew that out in your book, because that's where I learned how to pray because you hear, and, and that I will say is also in conjunction with a, a growing knowledge of the word of God. And you begin as you're studying the word of God to see the things that are all throughout scripture echoed in the prayers of the saints. And you begin to just, you know, amen, those things, let it be. So yes, yes, God. And I think that's where I, I really fell in love with praying together with other believers and, and found it to be such a helpful and enriching spiritual experience. And I have to admit, uh, cause now maybe somebody might think that you know, you and I, Megan, are like super spiritual. That's a practice that has gotten away from me as having little tiny people, just because I haven't really figured out quite what that looks like in this context. And we also have the added challenge of moving every two years. And I know a lot of our listeners are in that same boat. So it's kind of different because you're just trying to figure out who your community is by the time uh, you actually find those people, you're moving on to the next location, just super transient. But as I was reading, I'm just encouraged, like in this season, we do have a prayer meeting at our church. It's at night. It's not something that I can go to with our little people right now, but just to call my girlfriends who are in our community group and say exactly what your friend said to you. Can you get together and pray this Tuesday and let's stick our babies in strollers and walk and pray? Mm-hmm. I'm real encouraged to figure out a way to make that happen in this season right now. And even when you get together with somebody for some other purpose, just taking a minute at the end to say, Hey, can we pray about these things we talked about? You know, we've gone together, we've gone to the farmer's market together, whatever, we're in the car, we're on our way home. Just take five minutes and just pray about things you've mentioned, or, you know, it can even be a part of other, you you guys came over for dinner. We had a great time. We played board games. Let's just pray before you go home. Totally. You know, totally. I think sometimes we feel really awkward about that, but I'm trying to kind of like step into that awkward space and make it not awkward. You know, when you own something and you're just like, I'm just going to own this right here. (laughs) Like, well, we'll just hope that this goes for the best, which sometimes it's to my husband's chagrin. He's like, honey, you're a little too much sometimes with these types of things. But just when your friend says, Hey, can you pray for me in this? I know that it's a little bit of an awkward step to be like, let's pray about that right now. But how much would that minister to you in that moment if you Mm -hmm. came to them with a true burden that was on your heart? So 
to kind of step into that awkward space and just to claim like, we're just going to make this normal. Absolutely. Amen, sister. What would it look like if we really got together like Ephesians 6 says, which I'm like longing for, um, and prayed together at all times? Yeah. I mean, I think it would look like some of those things that we were just saying, you know, snatching every opportunity opportunity for prayer. And, you know, Ephesians 6 is interesting because, you know, we've got the armor of God there. You know, we're seeing here that it's not always just about what you can see, that there's this spiritual Mm -hmm. dimension that's going on that's just as real, you know, maybe more real than the things that you can see that are right in front of your face. And sadly, you know, a lot of our relationships are just focused on the stuff you can see, you know, the, oh, where are we going to get food? What are we going to eat? Where are we going to get clothes? What Mm -hmm. are we going to, you know, like uh, Jesus says, the pagans run after, what shall we eat and what shall we drink and what shall we wear? Yeah. Still the same. (laughs) Exactly. No, nothing changes in 2000 years. And uh, so just that habit of then praying with people just reinforces the fact that it's not all about the stuff we can see. Totally. There are spiritual things. There are people who need to come to faith that the spirit needs to work in their hearts. There are churches that need to be planted. There are missionaries that need to be sent out there. You know, there's there are other things that are going on in this world that we can't even see. And just taking a minute in our friendships to affirm that we are spiritual creatures and there's a spiritual aspect to this world, I think is sets us apart. I mean, it's our privilege as those who've had our eyes opened to see Mm -hmm. that, you know, our pagan neighbors, our non-Christian neighbors can't see Mm -hmm. that there's anything other than what's right in front of their Mm -hmm. face. But Mm -hmm. in our Christian relationships, we can see that together and we can take that to the Lord. Yeah. I think it's so interesting how even some of, like you're saying, non-believers will even ask for prayer um, because they are acknowledging that we're placing our faith in something. And, and I don't, it's very interesting. Have you had that experience, Megan, where it'll be a total, totally someone who doesn't even necessarily believe in God, but they'll say, if you pray, would you just pray for me? Yes. And I think that's, I think, prayer can be a great evangelistic opportunity. Yeah. I mean, if you say, let me pray for you right now, yes. well, then they get to hear you pray. Yes. And you know, maybe they don't really know what prayer is. They just think it's some kind of force or something, you know, yeah. she believes in it. So maybe it'll be helpful yeah. kind of, you know, um, but if they hear you pray, then they're going to learn something about Jesus because they, you're going to be praying in Jesus name. Yes. They're going to learn something about faith because they're going to hear you pray. You know, even if you're not, um, as none of us are, you know, a really wonderful prayer, but just hearing yeah. your active faith in real time, I yes. think is an act of evangelism. Yeah. So you mentioned the faith piece. What is it that we are placing our faith in as we pray or maybe who? <laughs> yeah. Right. It's a person. It is for sure. You're right, Hunter. I mean, we, we have faith in Christ. Um, yes. We have faith that God is going to do all his holy will and that it will be good Mm. that he will give us what's good. And yeah, it's not sort of, I have faith that I'm going to be healed or I have faith that I'm going to get this new job. You know, our faith is not in an outcome. Our faith is in the one who works all things for his glory. Yeah. So just on a practical level, what would it actually look like for us to pray in faith? You know, I think it's that our highest priority is God and his purposes. And that's, you know, and then when we say then not my will, but your will, that we really mean that we really, we don't want really what we want. We want actually want what God wants. Yeah. How can you lay your requests before him in a real specific way? Like I know we talk about 
you know, you lay it out in your book where we're praying for very specific things, both like in our interpersonal relationships, in our local church, in in our nation, in what God is doing in the whole entire world. Like, what's the purpose of us doing that specifically when we're praying for God's will to come about? Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a good question. I mean, I think some of it is that then we're looking for God's answers. Right. You know, if you just sort of pray in the morning, well, Lord, here's my day. Do your will in it. Amen. Yes. Well, then when the (laughs) Lord brings you a non-Christian, you have an opportunity to share the gospel with them. When the Lord works in your child's heart and they they make some progress or you weren't looking for that because you didn't really ask for something from the Lord, you know, you know, like with our children, you know, we know that when they come to us or, you know, for those who don't have children, when your friends come to you or something and say, what I need from you is this thing. It makes you so happy to be able to give it to them, you know, and it is good for your relationship. They've asked you, Hey, what I really just need is for you to listen to me for five minutes. Could you just listen for five minutes? (laughs) And you're like, sure, I can do that. And you do that. And then you grow in love for one another. Well, when we come to the Lord and we say, Lord, this is what I think then we're looking for him to give that. Or if he gives something else, then we know, okay, this is a better thing that he's giving me. Yes. You know, I think about it in the context of marriage and Megan, I'm kind of rawly processing this right here on the spot. But I think about when we communicate our preferences to our spouse, like, baby, it would really bless me if you take the coffee filter out of the pot in the mornings. Like that would be a blessing, (laughs) you know? And then, then when I see that, I receive it as a gift because I'm like, ah, he heard me. He knows me. He is doing that in order to bless me. You know, there are other ways in which he is blessing me, Brooks, in our relationship. And I have and can develop eyes to see those ways as well. But it just helps me to be aware when I'm communicating my needs and when I'm asking for them, like when he chooses to grant me those needs, it just builds our relationship. And I know obviously that analogy breaks down because God, the father is perfect. His will is perfect. And he is always blessing us. Even if we can't see the way in which his blessings coming about, if it's not the same as what we would like for it to be in that moment. But I just think about that as you're talking, I'm like, man, you know, I think it just helps us to receive those gifts and to have open eyes to see them. And to be thankful to yes. say, Hey babe, thanks so much for doing that. Exactly. You know, Cause I saw you do it. Cause I asked you and you did it. Yes. Yes. And then it just, I mean, if we're taking it back to prayer, it offers another opportunity to pray because you're, then you're rejoicing in Thanksgiving and what you've seen. And I think so much a prayer for me, Megan, is just like building my fellowship with God and, and my relationship with God by conversing with him just on a real simple level. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of us acknowledge that there is an importance for prayer individually. Why don't we value praying together with other believers as we ought um, I think partly we're uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, they do these surveys and public mm-hmm. speaking. It's like people's number one fear. You know, they'd rather drive off a cliff or something than do public oh, speaking. Man, I mean, that's like, seriously, they've done studies and pe- some people would rather die than do public speaking, you know? Mm. So I think people are uncomfortable and yeah. it's uncomfortable to pray out loud in a group of other people. We have a lot of self we're concerned that people are thinking about us, that our prayers aren't good enough Mm -hmm. or, you know, nobody thinks about you as much as you think about yourself, but we do have that sort of, we're unsure. And then I think too, it's just more, it requires more of us. You have to be 
at a particular time with particular people that have also made that commitment in order to pray yeah. with other people. And it requires sacrifice, totally. which is actually part of the blessing of it. You know, when you get together with those girlfriends or when the church meets in the evening for a prayer meeting, that we've all sacrificed something to yes. be there because we know this is important. This is a way of loving one another and discipling one another and glorifying the Lord. And so the sacrifice is part of the benefit, but the sacrifice is there. And it's real that, you know, when Carol called me up and asked me to pray on Tuesday morning, I mean, half the time I would wake up in the morning and go, okay, I'm going to do this, this. Oh, wait, it's Tuesday. Oh, no, I've got to pray with Carol. Yeah. I mean, to my shame, but it's inconvenient. Yes, it is. And two, I think just to receive the burdens of other people and to lift those up. I mean, that's, that's like a real hardship. But I think that's a way that we can love one another in the context of community on a real practical level. When we do that, what should our prayers consist of? When we gather with other people to pray? Yes. I mean, I think they consist of all the things that we would pray personally, certainly, um, that we would adore God and praise him, that we would give thanks to him, that we would confess our sins and not, you know, depending on the group, depending right. on who's there and how broad the group is, you know, you're going to phrase your confession, you know, if it's just you and your spouse, obviously our confessions are going to be much more yeah. vulnerable and open than it is in a whole church prayer meeting or something like that. But certainly also we would confess things that we've sinned as a group, you know, that together we have failed to exalt the Lord and that together we have failed to care for the needy and together we have failed to reach out and gospel love. And then, you know, we're going to bring requests. And again, you know, it can be all the requests that we have personally, but we can also have this special requests of things that concern us, depending on who the group is. You know, our town in Mississippi, probably most towns do this, but you know, there's a sort of a national day of prayer or something. Yeah, and so yeah. be a, an hour of prayer at the town hall, you know, on that day. Well, there we're going to pray for the concerns of the town because right. we're all there because we're part of the town. You know, when your church gets together, you're going to pray for the ministries of the church because that's what concerns you when you get together with other single women. You know, it's going to be natural that that a group of single women praying together are going to pray that the Lord would make you content in your singleness or provide spouses because that's what concerns you together. So some of the requests will be shaped by who it is that you get the privilege to pray with. Yeah, that's such a good point for people who are listening and they're thinking, man, I really want to do this. What are some real practical ways that we might grow in prayer? Yeah. Sometimes it's just as simple as finding somebody who will come on a Tuesday morning and pray with you. Or as we said earlier, you know, taking a minute when somebody's come over for coffee to just pray for a minute about the things that they've prayed for. You know, it's praying with your children. We can't overlook yes. or your spouse or your roommates if you're single and you're living in a house with other people. You know, taking some time each day um, in our house, we pray just sort of briefly before everyone scatters for the morning. You know, we just stand in the kitchen and my husband leads in prayer two or three minutes mm -hmm. just for the day and the things that everybody has to do. And then we pray together in the evenings. And that's a more extended time of prayer where each person takes a turn praying. I think it's, you know, taking advantage of the opportunities that you have. So most of your listeners, I assume, are a part of a church. And when you go on Sunday morning, there's going to be a time of prayer in the worship yeah. service, whether it's a, a pastor, an elder, or somebody who leads in prayer. And we can't discount that. I mean, that is a huge privilege that here we are, the gathered church of God, and we are all praying. And 
I think sometimes there's a misconception that what happens in the worship service is the pastor stands up and he prays and we all listen to him pray. But really what's going on is that he is giving voice to all of our prayers. Somebody's got to talk. I mean, we can't all 100 of us talk at the same time. So somebody's <laughs> got to say the prayer. Yeah. But we're all joining our hearts to that prayer. As we say in the South, all y'all are praying, right? <laughs> yes. At least in Mississippi, they used to say all y'all. <laughs> they do. The, a lot so, of listeners uh, are from Texas. They're like, yes. <laughs> uh-huh. So all y'all are praying. And, you know, not to discount that, not to just let it go by as a blip in the service, but here is my opportunity to really pray with all these yes. members of the church. And you get that chance every Sunday and take advantage of it. I mean, really join your heart to that prayer and really recognize Yes. Here we are. We're all approaching the throne of God together and he's hearing us. And this is amazing. Yes. I love that. Praying together as a little family and then together as a family of God. And as a little family, I know a lot of our listeners are from really transient contexts, a lot of missionaries, a lot of military, a lot of expats. A lot of times our people aren't always together in proximity. And so Brooks and I, whenever we first got married, we were spending so much extended period of time apart. We started to cultivate the discipline of praying together, even when we're separate in proximity, just by the simple act of like setting a phone reminder to pray at 3 p.m. or to pray at 8 p.m. or when we have the opportunity to call one another and pray together, even when we're separate in proximity. So I think just asking God to give you a real creativity for what it looks like to pray together. Like I was saying, like I really long to pray together with other women. Well, that right now, since bedtime happens at 7 p.m., isn't going to be in the context of our church prayer meeting because I don't have have the opportunity unless I hire a sitter. So maybe just inviting women to come alongside you and pray as you go on your morning walks and to embrace kind of the awkwardness of starting that. I just think there's so many real practical ways and God can give us the creativity to figure out what it looks like for us to talk to him with other believers in whatever season it is that we face today. Yeah, I think that's really great. And to ask him for opportunities. You know, maybe yes. that's something you can pray about. Yes. Lord, I would really like to pray with some other people. Could you give me some yes. opportunities? I know this would be pleasing to you. So could you please show me who that is that I could pray with? Yes. Yes. What if people just don't feel like they have anybody who they're like, I just, I'm a newer believer. Um, or maybe I'm real young in my faith. Maybe I haven't really been walking in obedience to God's commands. Maybe I'm just like starting out on this thing and I don't really have anybody that could like disciple me in my prayers. What would your encouragement be if there's just two gals wanting to get together who really have no idea what they're doing? You know, you do have the opportunity on Sunday morning, there's going to be somebody right. who's spiritually mature, who's leading in prayer. And so I would pay attention to that. Get into the local church. Yes. What can we learn from their prayers? And then, yes. you know, as you mentioned earlier, reading the Bible is, I mean, the Bible yes. is what's going to inform our prayers. You know, how do we yes. know what God wants? Well, some things are mysterious and we don't know what he wants. Totally. But a lot of things are in the Bible. They're very clear. Yes. And so as you study the Bible and even, you know, you and this other girl, you can read a passage of scripture, you know, a few verses and think, what could we pray based on this passage? What does this tell us about God? How can we praise God based on what he reveals about himself here? What does this passage tell me that I need? Okay, well, then I can ask God for that because this passage tells me what I need. What does this tell me that I should be thanking God for? You know, even just turning a simple passage of scripture, you know, the Psalms 
or any other passage of scripture, just looking at what it tells us that we could then turn into a point for prayer. Man, I am laughing because I'm like, I feel like every single week, somehow it drives home to the top resources are A, the word of God, B, the local church, C, the community of believers like around you, which is the local church. But all, all of that always ends up somehow being our top three resources. But Megan, do you have any other resources that you'd like to add to that for those of us who want to grow in our practice of corporately praying together? Yeah, you know, it's funny, you sent me that question ahead of time of, you know, three resources. And I'm like thinking, does the Bible count? (laughs) Does other Christians who are more mature than you, does that count? (laughs) And that's what I love, though. Honestly, Megan, I mean, maybe we could just talk about that because it's like, it's super simple. I think we make it really complicated. And that's my encouragement is like, get into a local church, read your Bible, and just get with other believers and pray. Like it really is not super scientific. It's just real simple and real humble. And the great thing about other Christians that are in your same community or your same church is that they're in the same moment as you are. And so you can learn so much from them because they're living out the Bible in a very similar context to you, even if they're a different age or they're a different gender, they're different, whatever, but they're still living in 21st century America or on a military base in the same country that you're in or wherever it is that you are, they're still the same time and place. And so the basic things that they're working through and the human condition being what it is, we all are struggling with very similar things. Right. And so we can learn so much from one another. Totally. And identify with each other in that. But really, I didn't mean to steal your thunder. Do you have any other helps? I mean, obviously your book, I will be linking to that in the show notes so that everybody can pick it up. Do you have any books or anything else that you'd like to recommend? Richard Pratt has a book called Pray With Your Eyes Open, which that's not about corporate prayer with other people, but that is just a helpful, how do you pray the scriptures? Mm -hmm. You know, when you read a passage of scripture, how do you turn that into prayer? And that's got questions for group discussion and stuff that you can go through. I find that to be pretty practical. The Valley of Vision. Oh, yes. I'm so glad. Puritan prayers. I mean, I think the ideal is to pray in your own words because it's your own desires. It's a conversation. You know, we wouldn't, you wouldn't sit down with your spouse and have a speech that somebody else wrote that you're going to read (laughs) to him, you know, but we can learn from other people's prayers. And so something like the Valley of Vision, which is rich, biblical, deep prayers, you can read them and go, okay, now how would I say? that to God, you know, in my own words. Yeah. It almost disciples me in a sense. And it's just real sweet. I love that quote that you used, pray until you pray from our Puritan brothers and sisters. It's just that book is one of my favorites. And actually my mentor who I mentioned earlier, she's the one who introduced me to that book. We didn't have screenshots back when I was in college. We used to sit there with our texting, you know, text the button three times, type it, type it, type it to get to the next letter. And type out as many uh, words from those prayers to one another as we could before our thumbs went into like carpal tunnel syndrome. But this is one of my favorites as well. Okay, those are great. We'll be sure to link to those in the show notes. On a fun note, this is one of my favorite questions to ask all of our guests. What are three of your simple joys? Just three things that make you happy. I like baking cookies. Mm. Um, because it only requires one dirty bowl and you get like a huge (laughs) amount of stuff out of it. (laughs) You know, you can get six dozen cookies out of one dirty bowl. I love it. Um, And everybody likes cookies too. And I like cookies. What's your favorite kind of cookie? I make these like 
cranberry oatmeal chocolate chip ones that are my favorite. Nice. But really, I haven't met a cookie I don't like. So (laughs) I make some like chocolate ginger ones that are really good. Anyway, yeah, don't get me started. I'm going to have to bring you some cookies because I just saw when I was looking up your bio that you're going to be at TGCW this June. So I'm going to be there too. And maybe I'll just bring you a cookie or two. (laughs) I would love that. That would get me through the conference for sure. (laughs) I have a porch swing. I love my porch swing. Yes. We got a house when we moved to Massachusetts about three years ago. Okay. We bought a house as a front porch. And so as a housewarming gift, my parents said, what do you want? And I said, I want a porch swing. So we have a porch swing. That's a Southern touch right there. It is. Yes. It is. But thankfully in Massachusetts, there are not mosquitoes and, you know, Amen. you actually can sit out there without <laughs> being you know, tortured to death. So it's like better than the South, actually. <laughs> Absolutely. Stepping it up. That's awesome. I love it. And what else? My husband is a pastor and uh-huh. he takes Mondays off. And so that's Aww. kind of our like date day. And we tend to go to museums a lot or historic houses yeah. or we explore a lot of graveyard cemeteries where right near our house is where David Brainerd, the missionary, was buried. And oh, wow. there's a monument to Jonathan Edwards there and his sister is buried in our Jonathan Edwards' sister is buried in our town. Anyway, so I like my Monday adventures, just sort of like little road day road trips to various historic places in in New England. Oh yeah, there's so much history there. We love New England. Are you close to Boston or what city are you in? So I live in West Springfield, which okay. is in western Massachusetts. So Boston's on the east. So we're, you know, 90 minutes from Boston. It's not far, okay. but Okay. For us like country folk, we're like, "Oh yeah, that's just a drive. Like no big deal." Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, well, Megan, it's just been such a joy to get to chat with you today, and I'm so thankful just to get to have you on for you to share your wisdom on the topic of praying together with us. And one of the questions that I love to end with is just who is it that's had the greatest impact on your journey with Jesus? And I'd love to hear who it is that's impacted your own personal walk with the Lord. Well, um, I talked a little bit earlier about Carol, who was a member of my church in Mississippi and she, you know, I don't, I don't know if I would say the greatest, but certainly huge older woman in the faith. We met together for that long period of time. I got to hear her pray and just her heart for missions in particular for the nations needing to hear of Christ and just praying fervently for Christ to be glorified, just really stirred up in my heart, a desire to pray for the cause of the gospel to be advanced throughout the world and um, really did change the way I thought about prayer and the sort of the boundaries of the things that I pray for. And I think I pray much bigger and more fervent prayers for Christ's glory uh, because of those years I spent praying with Carol. Oh, I love her from afar. And it's just been a joy to get to connect with you. Thank you for just reminding me of the real joy that praying with other believers is. I am definitely going to take some real practical action steps after having read your book and chatted with you today. So I really appreciate you taking time to do that with all the listeners. Thank you for coming on the show. Oh, you're welcome. It was it was so much fun. Thanks, Hunter. Y'all, I hope that you found this conversation with Megan as encouraging and inspiring as I did. I've been asking God to show me when I can snatch opportunities for prayer with my friends and community in real life. I hope you guys felt the same way. As usual, you can find everything Megan and I chatted about in the show notes at journeywomenpodcast.com. If you want to continue this conversation on praying together with us throughout the week, head over to Instagram and Facebook and find us at journeywomenpodcast. If you're enjoying these conversations, we would just ask that you'd head over to iTunes and take three minutes to leave us a rating and review. 
Just last week, I had a new listener from Northern California message me and say she stumbled upon the Journey Women podcast via searching on Spotify. These ratings and reviews help people like her find us. We're so grateful that you take the time to help us get Journey Women into the hands of other women on their journeys to glorify God. It's such a joy to journey with you all. We can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week.